Hey friends, welcome back to another Seed Talk with Lisa and Lane. Hey Lane. Hello, hi everybody. Friends, so glad to be here with you today. If you're not watching this on our YouTube channel, you know, you'd be seeing us and you would see that I look a little bit different today because I have spent the morning outside harvesting in and out of drizzling rain. So, you know, the the work must go on, right? So I was happy to stop doing that and come in and have this chat with Lane and friends. If you want to learn more about the work that we are doing over at the Gardener's Workshop, which Seed Talk is one of those. Um, head on over there and check out all the resources that we have for you. And so today, Lane is going to lead us through what conversation? So today, I'm excited to tell everyone, this is going to be a pod podcast. <laughs> so we are talking <laughs> all about some of our favorite flowers that produce pods. And this is not an all-inclusive list. These are just some that we wanted to highlight and spotlight. And we do have some flowers to demonstrate with throughout. So that should be fun as well. Yes, for sure. It's always good to have a little sample, right? It is. It's always good to have a sample. So I should start by asking Lisa, why do you like flowers that produce pods as a flower farmer? So I like, I'm always excited about any flower that has an extended window of harvest and opportunity. Um, and the pods do that for you. So, you know, you can, I use almost with the exception of, well, there's a couple of them that we actually grow for the pod. We don't use it as a fresh cut flower. Um, but half of these guys I use a fresh flower and then we have so many of them or I grow extra so I can leave them in the garden and create pods because pods are a really hot item. They always have been. They were for me in the very beginning because I sold to Colonial Williamsburg, which if you don't know what that is, that's like, you know, they're all about um, rustic and that type of stuff and, the, and drying and making wreaths and they fit right in beautifully. Yes, I totally agree. They add so much texture and interest to a bouquet. Yeah. And I feel the same way about them out in the garden. I just love any plant that lets you have a longer season of interest. And a lot of these are also really good reseeders. And because they actually look good in this pod form, you're willing to leave them up for longer and allow them to kind of reseed out there. It's true. I mean, when let them kind of volunteer where they want to, if, especially if you're a home gardener, you know, when yeah. you're a farmer, you can't really rely on reseeding, but I love it when a plant pops up actually in a pathway or along the side of a bed or something. It's like, oh, well, we'll let it go on. And um, that's kind of fun too. Yes. Okay. Let's get started. All right. So we are going to start with, this is kind of like the mother of all pods. Wouldn't you say, Lisa? I would say that is a great description of it. <laughs> <laughs> so we are talking about giant poppy pods. This is Papaver somniferum. These are cool season hardy annuals that are winter hardy to USDA zone six. They have these big, beautiful flowers that are not super long lasting, but once those petals drop, they reveal these beautiful sort of grayish green pods. How do these flowers age, Lisa? Can you describe it to us? Sure. So as the petals fall off, they reveal quite a, a fairly small pod you know, golf ball size or smaller typically. And then as that seed pod 
starts to develop seed, it swells bigger and bigger. And I actually have a pod here and this one has already started to dry. Um, it was actually cut fresh um, and we're hanging it up to dry. So it's not quite as um, vibrant green as I like to use them as fresh. But this pod, which I consider this the perfect size for fresh use. I mean, this like is like a flower, you know, I mean, it takes up that same amount of space. But if I would have left this pod out in the garden to continue aging, it'll get as big as my fist. But yeah. that journey from here to this, oftentimes they get blemished, their color gets dull. So it's not necessarily the greatest for a fresh cut. Then you kind of move it over to a dried cut. Yes. And they do dry very well. So how wide of a window would you say you have to harvest? You just kind of mentioned it's basically based on the size of pod you want. And then the longer you leave it, the more you risk it showing some blemishes or damage from being out there in the field or garden. Exactly. So, you know, my theory is seize the moment because there is nothing worse than having, you know, counting on cutting two or 300 of these to accent your mixed bouquets that week. And you say on Monday, but I'm going to leave them till Thursday when we need them. And lo and behold, by Thursday, there has been a pack of, you know, whatever types of insects come through and mark them and they're done. You know, I mean, yeah. there, there is nothing worse. People don't want to see spots and marks on in the fresh stage. Um, of these poppies. So yeah, I say cut them, seize them as quickly as you can for fresh use for that reason. Yeah. And again, what is the size you're aiming for when you're going for fresh use? Um, so I would say um, that this is bigger than a golf ball, but not as big as a tennis ball. Yeah. You know, think about the other flowers in your bouquet. This is supposed to be part of the bouquet, not necessarily the focal, right? Yes. And this is something you specifically grew for the pods. You didn't grow this for the flowers. They don't have much use in a cut flower setting. Literally, because the flowers last 24 to 36 hours. So you really can't cut it and get it in a vase and use it before it starts just dropping. Yeah. And if someone wanted to leave them in a garden, for example, and let the pods get huge, are these good reseeders? They are. And we grow, we grow this seed and have a grower that grows the seed for us. And you do leave them and let them get as big as possible to let the seed mature. Um, and then if you left the pods in the garden, they would plant that replant themselves or you can harvest them for next year. Yeah. And we should also mention that bees absolutely love these flowers. You almost can't even get close to the flowers because there are so many bees buzzing around. They go crazy for them. It's that's like an understatement, right? I mean, I know yeah. the we're here taking imaging and it's like the bees are crazy for these flowers. I mean, you'll have 10 to 20 honeybees in one flower fighting each other to get to them. So, yeah. So it's great if you um, want, you know, if you have honeybees um, or any bees, actually, they love them. Yes. And they just look absolutely magical out there. There's a combination of some still have the flowers. Your flowers, Lisa, are this raspberry color. So there are these huge flowers combined with these pods just sticking up. It just looks magical. It is. They're, they're awesome. All right. Next up, we have 
Love in a Mist, which is Nigella. This is a cool season hardy annual that is winter hardy to USDA zone six. And this is just as beautiful for the flowers as for the pods. And there are a couple of different colors of pods you can get with Nigella's. Some produce green pods and some produce kind of a plum colored pod. Can you describe how the flowers age into these pods? Sure. So, you know, this is one that we love using the fresh flower. I mean, we really, it's an early bloomer. So, and it's great colors. I mean, the colors are just magnificent. There's true blue flowers along with white and other color mixes. But, um, and so all of those flowers that we don't use fresh or we intentionally don't use fresh, um, we leave in the garden. And what emerges is this amazing pod You can see where um, this pod was the center. Once you see the pod once next to a flower, you really get an understanding of how this was the simple flower. And as the petals fall off, then they just actually swell and get bigger. Yeah. So what have you got there? I'm just showing a few little pods that I have popped in here amongst some other things, but they're just so such a fun little addition to any bouquet. Yeah. And I really do love, that's why I grow green marbles. That's a white flower because it has a lime green pod like you're showing. This one that I'm showing is the burgundy color, which is okay. But this is what we really try to use in fall work, um, you know, whether it's wreaths or whatever you have. So different varieties of nigella have different color of pods that follow. Yeah. So if you're wanting to use it for the pod, what is the harvest stage? How wide of a window do you have also? Early, because you do not want that pod to burst and cast all of its seeds all over your or your customer's table. That is for sure. Yeah. So would you say that you, as a flower farmer, did you sell nigella equally for the flowers and pods or was it weighted more one versus the other? Oh no, both. Um, Colonial Williamsburg would beg me to leave the fresh flower. They'd see it on my list the fresh flowers and say, oh, please leave a bunch for us to have pods, you know? So it was, I could go either way, but I usually did about 50-50. And we've already mentioned these dry extremely well too. And they just look so pretty out in the landscape. And Nigella has really beautiful ferny foliage as well. So this really looks equally as pretty when it has flowers on it as when it has these pods on it out in your garden. Yeah. I mean, it's just an all around nice flower. It is. And have you found nigella to be a strong reseeder? It will reseed, um, but we typically cut it clean. So we don't give it much opportunity. I would suspect that it would be a strong reseeder. Yeah, we have definitely found it to be a strong reseeder. But if you're growing a few different varieties, remember that they might cross with each other. Right. So if you're counting on having a certain variety each year, you're probably better off sowing them again. But it is the strong reseeder. It's just if you have multiple varieties going, you might not know what to expect the next year. Right. right. Now we are moving on to pincushion flower. This is also known as star flower, this particular one. It's Scabiosa stellata. This is another cool season hardy annual that's hardy to USDA zone seven. This has these pale blue flowers, but they fade to reveal these beautiful papery globes. The variety we're looking at here is ping pong. So can you just (laughs) describe how these flowers age into these beautiful ping pongs? Sure. So, and I happen to have one of these also. This is perhaps one of the funnest pods that I've grown. I've only grown this probably about five or six years. I didn't realize um, that 
there was a different type of pin cushion, you know? Um, and then these really came in fashion and you saw, you see these everywhere as faux flowers. That's how cool the pot is, right? Yes. So this light blue flower that looks very similar to other scabiosis, it's kind of a pale nondescript color. But if you leave that flower, which we've never cut the flower and used it, if you leave that flower, it develops into this amazing pod that dries beautifully. Uh, I mean, it's so useful. And, you know, we're talking about drying beautifully, but we like to use all this stuff fresh also. I mean, that's our yes. primary purpose as flower farmers in my business is to move stuff out, to not have to store it. Because, you know, storing stuff dried is a whole nother can of worms, right? Um, and this is one that, oh my goodness, these were so cool. Farmer's market. Oh my goodness. They're just very much in demand. They're so unique. They're perfectly round. They're just really fun. And they look fun out in the garden on the actual plant as well. So yeah. what is the harvest stage if you wanted to harvest these ping pong scabiosa? So I'd like to get them soon after they revealed themselves, you know, soon after the, I mean, right after the flower has developed into this pod, because there's parts of that are still there and they'll start to get brown and you just want this to be in the best the best condition because something I think people misunderstand they'll take old flowers and try to dry them let me tell you it's kind of like I can remember my mother-in-law teaching me about canning food about string beans and stuff she said you don't can stuff you can't get to in time you can the very best yeah. Same thing with dried flowers. You dry them at the peak for drying because drying them is not going to make them better. And I just, so soon after the flower develops into a pod is when you seize the moment. And so you never have sold these for the flowers. You are selling this specifically for that beautiful seed head. Yes. yes. And have you found this to be a strong reseeder? Yes, it does reseed. And in fact, we have two very nice reseeded plants out there oh. this year. Yeah. Good. I love this one. It's so pretty. All right. Now we are moving on to love in a puff, which is cardiospermum holicacabum. This is actually one that we grow as a warm season, tender annual, and this is a vining plant. It produces these beautiful seed pods that look almost like paper lanterns. Wouldn't you say, Lisa? I don't know why they always remind me of a tomatillo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is so true. And I'll, I'll tell you that I um, made a video of some of these a couple of years ago. And I mean, I got more comments for people that they said they were just waiting for a little fairy to yes. come fluttering out of the, because we grow them on a tunnel. Um, we have a tunnel this year actually um, planted with these guys, about 25 feet of them. It's going to be pretty magical, oh. but you're right. It's very much like a lantern. It's a very um, translucent kind yes. of pod. And um, the little flower that blooms is very insignificant, but it's followed by these pods um, and they hydrate beautifully as a cut flower. Um, Suzanne and I first met Love in a Puff, oh my goodness, almost two decades ago when we were invited to a place called Flower Camp. We were to bring flowers there because a magazine was coming to do an article on Flower Camp. And I was not familiar with this flower. And one of the little events that we did, we used this to decorate a chandelier and it was so beautiful. Just absolutely love it. 
It's absolutely beautiful and magical is a perfect way to describe it. So what is the harvest stage for love in a puff? So for you're, you're obviously harvesting it for the pods. So you want them when they're fresh and green, they do age to an, a kind of an, uh, like a, a rusty kind of color, Yes, which some people like to use, but I frankly just love to use them in this fresh green stage. Um, so soon after they've developed is where we like to take them. And have you found this to be a good reseeder? Oh my gosh. So because we grow so much of it on the tunnel and couldn't possibly harvest nearly all of it, it is what you would call a strong reseeder. Um, <laughs> the spot where it grew last year and just dropped seeds, um, it, it definitely will reseed. All right, moving on to another one that we grow as a warm season tender mm. annual. This is hyacinth bean. Dolicos Lab Lab is the name, which is kind of fun to say. This is so beautiful. It's another vining plant. The variety we're looking at is Ruby Moon. It has these gorgeous dark purple stems and these beautiful purple plum colored pods. This is so gorgeous, Lisa. Can you describe how the flowers age into these pods? Sure. So the flowers really resemble like a sweet pea individual yes. flowers that bloom along that purple stem and they're really beautiful. However, they do not last very long. Um, you know, like if we were doing an event or something, or if somebody needed that color for an event, we'd cut them that morning and they'd last through the day. But when you leave them, they actually develop into edible beans. Um, and in those pods that you can see, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see, I mean, they're just absolutely beautiful. You know, the first time I ever grew this, I, and I knew they were edible. And, you know, I was back, this was back when I was doing tons of canning and putting food up. This was before I was a big high production flower farmer. I was so stoked to actually can these beans thinking of how beautiful my wooden pantry shelves were going to look with these oh. purple beans alongside my green beans, right? Yes. Well, guess what? When you cook them, they turn green. Oh, oh, and that's exactly how I felt when I opened that pressure cooker. <laughs> um, so, but they are edible, but we find them to be so useful for fall arrangements fall table decorations, fall fresh wreaths. I've never dried them, um, but you know, that would be something fun to play with, but we use them. You can see the stems are really long. You yes. can have great in bouquets and they have a like indefinite base life. Yeah, they are so beautiful. So what is the harvest stage for these hyacinth beans? So, I mean, once the beans get big enough that they kind of contribute to whatever you're doing, you know? Um, yeah. and so there's beans in the pods and you can see, I mean, I love it once and you can see in the image, the little bumps from the beans developing that just even adds more interest. So you just don't want them. I like them to be vibrant. The longer yes. bright colors stay in the garden, the duller they get. Yeah. And the longer they're in a pressure cooker. <laughs> yeah, that we know for sure now. And this is another one that you specifically sold for these pods, not the short-lived flowers on the vines. Correct. And Correct. have you found this to be a good reseeder? Um, occasionally. It's not a strong reseeder by any means, but it's a good one. All right. Now we are moving on to Atroplex. 
This is a cool season hardy annual winter hardy to USDA zone seven. This has these stems with all these little seed pods that develop along them. And these stems are just loaded with these tiny seed pods. And they add such an interesting textural element to arrangements. They're apple green and wine red colors to choose from. What do you love about Atriplex, Lisa? And can you describe how the plant ages into this beautiful state? Sure. So this is a plant, which I also happen to have one of these. This is their season. Um, this is a plant that I, again, wasn't really familiar with. I mean, I've only been growing it for five or six years. And, you know, you, not everybody tells you all the information, right? So I was, I grew it as a cool flower and thinking, okay, you know, it'll have a great little flower on it and I'll use it. Well, when it bloomed, I have never been more disappointed because nobody ever mentioned it was the pod we were supposed to be waiting for. So this is definitely one that we grow for the seed pods, not the insignificant, yes. small, little dirty looking flower. Um, and so it bloom has all these little blooms. And then this is what follows. And oh my gosh, it is just such a beauty. This is in the spinach family. So it is deer bait. You know, we, for several yeah. years after I finally figured out how to germinate it, um, then it was keeping the deer from eating it. Um, but it is very productive. We pinch it um, and it has lots of stems and the stems. I mean, I cut probably 30 inches off of this stem. I mean, it's like five or six foot in the garden. Yeah. It's just beautiful. What is the harvest stage for Atriplex for these pods? So interestingly enough, um, again, soon, as soon as the, all the flowers are gone and the seed pops have developed, right? Because you want that vibe. I mean, that's what I want. I want this really vibrant green color that you can see if you're watching the video. So um, much texture. It adds. Oh my gosh. I mean, this, I'm just sitting here looking at it, thinking of fun things to do with this. Yeah. I can see even a, fl a fresh flower crown out of this, you know? Oh, um, yes. So you don't want to leave it in the garden because the freshness and the brightness of color gets aged from sun and wind. So yeah, seize the moment. As soon as, as soon as it looks good enough, that's when you're going to cut it. And once you leave, once you really let one go and get fully developed, then you know that's your goal. And have you found this to be a strong reseeder? I have not. Then again, you probably cut all of it. I was going to say, but again, we cut it clean because we yeah. use every stinking stem we can get. Okay, now we're moving on to Persian Cress, which is Lepidium sativium. It's another cool season hardy annual, winter hardy to USDA zone seven. It has kind of a similar feel to Atriplex in that it has these beautiful seed pods that develop up and down the stems. The form is a bit airier than Atriplex, though, not quite as dense. And I'm assuming you have some there to share with us, Lisa. I am I right? do. I do. Very, very much so. Um, All right. Will you describe how the plant ages into that state? So this blooms very similar to the Atriplex, just meaning it's a small, insignificant little white flower. And in fact, that's what I thought you grew it for, just like the Atriplex. I never knew the part. Um, and then we harvested a bunch of it. And it was kind of like how Dave Dowling texted me, isn't that a weed? <laughs> and I, he said, you're supposed to wait for the pod. Oh. Seed pod. So it's like, you know, so y'all even 25 years in or 24 years in when that happened, um, you're still learning stuff. So yeah. this gets the same type of green seed head 
um, that you're seeing on Atriplex, but it's very different. The stem is this is a branchy, airy, yes, kind of thing instead of clusters closer together. Um, but this is totally amazing. Totally, it amazing. is. So, can you describe the harvest stage for that crest? Sure. So it's the same way. I just ignore it when it's blooming. And this is actually um, some that we had a second planting. We planted in the fall and then we planted again very early spring. And this very early spring planting, I actually pinched it really hard. This is a strong branching plant, just like Atroplex. And I let it go through its bloom. And now it is just producing about eight to 10 of these stems Ugh. on each individual plant. Yeah, that is such a beautiful, textural, airy filler to add to your bouquets. Yes. Have you found this to be a good reseeder? Um, no, I have not because we've cut everything clean. Yeah, yep. Okay, we are on to our last flower for this episode, and it is white lace flower, which is Orlea grandiflora. The variety we tend to grow is called white finch. It's a cool season hardy annual that's winter hardy to USDA zone six. This is an humble shaped white flower and it has these unique larger petals, longer petals all around the outside, which makes it kind of stand out from other humble type flowers. And if you thought it was done when it was flowering, you're wrong because once it flowers and drops those petals, these gorgeous clusters of fuzzy little green seed pods are revealed. It's just such a unique and interesting seed head. How does the flower develop into that, Lisa? Right. So once the flower petals start dropping off, they basically reveal this really oh. beautiful green pod. And um, I harvested a whole bucket of this this morning for us to do some photography with it. And what I would do if I was using this in a bouquet or selling it as a bunch to a commercial grower, I would probably just pop off all these white flowers, get rid of the, the fresh part of it. Um, because I'm telling you a big old bunch of these green heads that have an indefinite base life um, are really, really beautiful. They're, They're beautiful. Really I have one in here too. If you can oh, see, I, see I just it. popped I in see. down there. Yeah. That's even beautiful. amongst the, it's just so pretty. So what is the harvest stage if you want to use it for the green seed head? So I've been watching that because I've been trying to decide for photography and what I've decided is I wait until the petals fall off and the bloom is pretty clean. It's still going to have some little fuzzies, but they look like they're supposed to be there. Yes. You, know, you don't want little old petals still hanging on. And we also had some really torrential downpours here a couple of days ago. And I feel like that really aided, aided in cleaning up the, the pods for sure. Yes. And this is one of my favorite plants out in the garden because it has such a long season of interest. Yeah. The plants have this really lush, ferny foliage. They produce an abundance of these lacy white blooms. And then after that, it puts on these beautiful seed heads. I will say it goes through a bit of a stage where it looks a little dirty, Yeah. but yeah. then it reveals these beautiful heads. So did you ever sell these for the seed heads? Did you just sell it for the flower and these interesting seed heads are just something you would pop in bouquets or did you actually sell these seed heads separately? We actually never had enough Orlea to let them get to seed head. We cut them yeah. all fresh. Um, and then as a result of about two years ago when you know we aren't selling high volume, we don't sell the cut flowers anymore. It's for education. And that made me leave some in the garden. It's like, oh, 
looky there, a second round. And how nice is that? Yes. And have you found this to be a strong reseeder? Yes, it will be a strong reseeder. It really depends on where you are. And, you know, I want to say for people that really want to um, grow some of these flowers that are strong reseeders, all you have to do is while, when the blooms all fall off and they're done, go to the bottom of the plant, whack them at ground level and throw them in your compost heat before they develop seeds. That's the real solution for that. Yes. But if you do want a reseeding patch, I have found these to be a really great reseeder. Yeah. They develop these seeds. They look beautiful in the process. And I have not had to seed or lay it in years yeah. because of that. And because there's usually just one variety you're growing, you don't really have to worry about it crossing with right. other things. The variety white finch that we grow is open pollinated. So it comes back looking as you would expect it to look every year. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. All right. Well, that was our episode for today. I hope we gave you some ideas for some flowers that you might grow, not for the flowers, but for the pods and also how to give your flowers a second chance at life after the petals have fallen. So this is not an all-inclusive list. This is just the tip of the iceberg. We just wanted to give you all some ideas. So hopefully you enjoyed that and you enjoyed seeing some of the flowers in action. If you haven't already, we always appreciate you leaving us a rating or review in a podcast app. And we love to hear what you have to say over on YouTube. You can give us a like and comment over there and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on any of our episodes. Thank you, Lane. And thank you for that beautiful slideshow. And friends, we just love sharing the harvest and the questions and the problem solving. Um, so don't hesitate to send your questions in to Lane. And friends, until we meet again, ciao. Bye.